0: For the first time in 39 years, the Boston Bruins have won the Stanley Cup.
1: Hello and welcome to the Brady Bros Boston Sports Podcast where we cover everything in the Boston sports world. My name is James Brady and alongside me is my brother Nicholas. Say hello.
0: Hello everybody. Today is Thursday, February 21st and we are currently recording episode 19. The big 2-0. The big 2 is coming up, James. Did you, did you think we'd get this far?
1: Honestly, no. I thought it would tank and fall apart way before this. But anyways... Moving on to, I guess, if you want to really say it's the last week, we can say this or whatever before baseball starts, but still the 2018 World Series champion Boston Red Sox, and things are actually heating up because tomorrow, as we are recording this, today, hopefully as you are listening to this, on drop day, the Red Sox are playing a baseball game tomorrow, and that is very exciting.
0: Against a college team.
1: They are playing against the Northeastern Huskies. Uh starts at one o'clock, I believe. So I won't actually be able to properly watch it. I'll probably just be getting updates. But uh I- I'm still Most- just genuinely excited because tomorrow baseball is back.
0: Baseball is back indeed. And we actually um Alex Cora has revealed kind of you know the roster for the first day as well as when we uh, might see some of some of those bigger names coming back. Cause if you take, take a look at the roster here, a load of guys I have not even heard of to be completely honest. And, um, a couple I have most notably, uh, Blake Swihart and I can't say his name, but Zo Lin. Yeah, that's right. I think that's it. So those are the, those are the two that stand out. Uh, in other people, we have Sam Travis, uh, Chad Lagura, Bobby Dahlbeck, Tate Methany, Cole Sturgeon, and an outfielder still has to be listed by Cora, but uh, I believe this article came out today. Yep, uh, that's that's the lineup we're looking at for tomorrow with the starting pitcher being uh, Mike Shawern? Shawern. Something along those guys. And uh, you know he's listed a couple other pitchers here, but maybe let's get into you know some of the names uh, other others will recognize uh, because Cora did allude to you know when when other people would likely to be back. So uh, starting off kind of Eduardo Nunez, Brock Holt, Rafael Devers, Andrew Benintendi will in quotes here most likely make their debuts on Sunday. Also on Sunday we might see Mitch Moreland. Uh, the World Series MVP, Steve Pearce, is scheduled to play Monday and Tuesday. And then uh, Mookie Betts is looking to make his first appearance of the spring uh, in Wednesday in an actual uh, a split squad game, most likely why uh, we'll see most of the bigger names there, because split squad is where they literally split the squad and they played two different games at two different locations, so you need more people playing. But that's kind of what we're looking at for... Uh, Everyone getting back into it. So, I mean, like you said, baseball's back.
1: And I mean, honestly, I'm not really sure that we should have expected to see a lot of recognizable names. I mean, we're playing a college team tomorrow, so it's really not like there's anything at all. And it's also spring training, so the guys are, I mean, some of the guys just reported to practice in the last week. So, obviously got to give the guys their time to, you know, get back in the swing of things, literally, uh, and just kind of get back to baseball and get ready to go because they've had a couple of months off, but, you know, they got to come back. They got to get back into their element and be ready to go uh, when the actual, you know, beginning of the season rolls around.
0: Yeah, just over a month. But, I mean, yeah, you're right. With some of these guys just reporting in the last week or so, I mean, and and throughout the um, – you know, the last couple of weeks, February and the beginning weeks of March, we're going to see, it's unlikely that you'll see this, like the starting lineup play more than three or four times a week. If I had to guess, they're not going to be starting like crazy. They'll play a couple of innings, Coral switch them out. That's, you know, it's kind of just to try guys in different position, everyone get warmed up and get healthy for uh this coming year.
1: Yeah. And with that, we'll take a look at the week ahead and it's crazy because this is the first time we can actually say there are games. So. Tomorrow, Friday the 22nd versus the Northeastern Huskies. Saturday the 23rd against the Yankees. The 24th, Sunday against the Twins. The 25th, Monday against Pittsburgh Pirates. Tuesday the 26th against the, or at, the Toronto Blue Jays. And Pittsburgh, the game against Pittsburgh is also at Pittsburgh's uh, home location for spring training. Wednesday, a split squad game with the Baltimore Orioles and the Tampa Bay Rays. And Thursday versus the Nationals. So a full week of baseball ahead of us. Games on every single day and two on Wednesday of next week. So, I mean, there's going to be stuff going on, which is very, very exciting.
0: Yeah, and we still have some big name free agents out there who haven't been signed. But in somewhat disappointing news, I'd say, uh, Manny Machado signed with the Padres. Now, disappointing for a couple of reasons. Uh, he's getting $300 million. A man that ended the World Series literally on his knees uh, is getting $300 million over 10 years. Uh, if you're not good at math, that's $30 million a year. And that is also the biggest contract in, I believe, North American sports history or something along those lines, or all sports history or something like that, Um Beating out, I think it was Alex Rodriguez who signed like a 275 deal with the Yankees.
1: Yeah, and uh, on top of that, supposedly, I don't remember exactly where I heard this from or if it's even confirmed, he has an opt-out after five years, which would put him in his I believe age 31 season. So, I mean, I figured that he'd have an opt-out on, you know, a 10-year contract is something very big to commit to and especially guaranteed money uh, on the Padres' part, but especially for a guy who's still very young and you think of players really coming into their element in baseball around like an age 30 season when they're playing at this level uh, and assuming they just get better, it's smart to have that opt-out there where he can go look for a better deal with the Padres. If they're still not doing well, maybe he decides he wants to go to a team where he thinks he has a legitimate shot at a World Series, even though he was on a team that had a shot and it didn't even matter. We already know how that went down. But, so 300 million, 10 years with the San Diego Padres, who really have not been great recently, going through a lot of rebuilding stuff. Um, And I read something like, between three contracts, Machado and two others on their team, they have over um, half a billion dollars between just three players. So they got a lot of money being shelled out, out there in San Diego, but... Who knows if they'll turn it around. I mean, honestly, in my opinion, it's gonna take at least a couple of years before the Padres become a threat. I don't think just signing Machado is gonna do anything, uh, in terms of completely one eighty turning the team around, but I think it is a step uh in a in, you know, a direction towards becoming a winning baseball team
0: again. Yeah, and the second reason this is disappointing for me is because like I said, I kinda wanted him to go to the Yankees to like re spark that rival and rivalry and now we're looking at him out on the west coast and a team we're gonna see once maybe twice a year I don't know I haven't looked at the schedule but I don't know kind of wanted that rivalry back but maybe maybe we get a Padres rivalry not that it'll really matter much but yeah Manny Machado signs for you know what is really just a disgusting amount of money
1: Yeah, and that pretty much wraps it up for, you know, Red Sox MLB news. We did, you know, threw Machado in there just because it's such a big story. Everyone's been talking about it. It's always been, uh, you know, something that's been a uh, highlight of this offseason is where Machado's going to go and where now Harper's going to go. Harper's running out of time. And honestly, very soon we should probably know where he's going to play baseball next season. But anyways, with all that being said, we are going to move on into the segment known as Today in Sports History, if you'd like to take that away.
0: Yes. Uh, we got a couple here, both baseball-related. Um, you know, we just we just talked about the huge contract that Manny Machado signed, but uh, this kind of segues into the next part here. So on this date, February 21st in 1968, baseball actually announced that a minimum annual salary would be set at ten thousand dollars so here we are um you know 50 years later talking about a guy who signed for 300 million when you know back in 68 they adjusted the minimum salary at ten thousand dollars now i don't know what that equates to in terms of inflation and whatnot but a little update this isn't like a uh, sports hit like today in sports history but i was just out of curiosity went back and looked and in 2017 it was set at $535,000 so um you know baseball being the most lucrative sport as of now and i think it has been the last couple of years but we will get into the next one which i also found interesting because i didn't know this was a thing but on this date, uh, back a couple years previous from the other one, in 1957, the Dodgers, who were located in Fort Worth, and the Cubs, who were located in LA, this might have been the main squad or the minor league squad here, I don't really know, but they actually traded minor league franchises. So I couldn't really tell you what that entails. I think they just like literally swapped teams, probably for location's sake, is my guess. But I didn't know even know that was a thing. So that, um, you know, two little baseball facts there. That wraps up today in sports history. And we will, you know, move right along into what is probably going to take up most of the show again in the Boston Celtics, even though they had an off week, an off week in terms of not playing games. Um, But we still have a lot to talk about here.
1: So first things first, we will start it off with all of the all-star festivities First thing in that matter was the Rising Stars game where Jason Tatum dropped 30 points, grabbed 9 rebounds and dished 3 assists. Uh still was not the MVP. He lost that to Kyle Kuzma, but Team USA taking the win over Team World by like 20 points or something. I forget what the exact score was. It's in the, you know, high hundreds because no one tries in these games. And the last like, you know, minute everyone was just trying to get some crazy dunk, so It's just like the All-Star game with younger players who didn't make it in the All-Star game. But that was the first round of things that happened for All-Star week. Second thing, once again, Jason Tatum making the headlines after winning the skills contest on a half-court shot against Trey Young. So, I went back and watched all of Jason Tatum's, uh, like, all the different rounds he went through to get to the finals of the skills competition. And he was behind in all three. So the two preliminary rounds that he was in, he was behind in both of those. And in the final, he was behind, uh, significantly behind Trey Young, leading to the half-court shot that he hit. But this man beat uh, Nikola Jokic and one other guy, I forget who it was, both Mike coming Con- from behind. Mike
0: Connolly, I think.
1: But Jason Tatum coming from behind after the uh, you know opposing player missed a couple of threes. And then draining a half-court shot against Trey Young to, uh, to win it all. So very exciting news as Jason Tatum takes home some hardware uh, at the All-Star Week. And uh, if you want to transition on to the actual All-Star Game, which included Kyrie Irving...
0: Yeah, so Kyrie, um, he ended up playing in the All Star game despite the the knee problems he was having a couple days before. But he, you know, put up thirteen points, nine nine boards, six assists. Uh, nothing crazy. We did get you know some decent plays, but as I stated last week, I, I didn't really watch and I didn't really care. I caught the highlights on Instagram or Twitter or wherever, and you know saw it, saw it there. But I mean. You can just tell that no, no one is no one is trying. I mean Steph is scoring points with six seconds left when his team is up by a ton, so literally no one was even paying attention to him, but um team LeBron actually coming from behind and ended up winning the all star game with you know Kyrie having uh not the biggest contribution, but not really that big a deal either.
1: Yeah, but one of those assists that he threw had the world by storm as he threw up the ball to LeBron James, who made a monster dunk, and that apparently convinced all of Los Angeles that Kyrie is going to LA to play for the Lakers next season. And, I mean, I figured something like this was going to happen, but it's just ridiculous that someone literally passes the ball to another person on their team, and, I mean it was crazy. Everyone was convinced, was absolutely convinced that, you know, Kyrie and LeBron are are playing on the same team next year. So I just, you you can't, you can't, this is why we can't have nice things in Boston because the second that Kyrie literally talks to LeBron, boom, he's out of here. So apparently, uh, you know, LeBron just used this as a scheme to get everyone to come to the Lakers next year, but... Man, I just don't even know what to think anymore with all this, all this, you know, like speculation of collusion or whatever everyone thinks is going on. Just another another thing about you know why Kyrie might be leaving next year or whatever people are convinced of. So I don't know if you've got an opinion like you'd like to offer on that. Uh,
0: so if you don't like listening to people talk about things that are probably never going to happen. You probably had like your TV shut off for, you know, the beginning of this entire week because I even know when I turned it on this morning, all they were talking about was like Kyrie Irving having a conversation with Kevin Durant. And they were just like, you know, they're probably talking about going to the Knicks. And it's like like at the end of the day, you just gotta be like, be quiet. Like they're obviously friends. Can you not have a conversation with another, you know, uh Hall of Fame caliber player and just you know, can't they just be having a conversation? Why does everything have to be about, like, where they're going to go next? Like, what's going to happen this offseason? Like, we still have so much basketball left in the year. And, yes, there's only, you know, 24 games left in the regular season. But we still have all the playoffs. And already people are thinking about, like, you know what? Like, what's next year going to look like? It's like, slow down. We have to finish this year first kind of thing. So, I just – oh, man. ESPN is, is the worst, I swear. They really bug me with the whole – like speculation thing, and I mean, we'll get into the Zion thing later. They are just going crazy over this kid. But, yeah, that's kind of my take on it. I I hate it, basically, is what it comes down to.
1: All right, so I'll let you pick. Do we want to talk about Anthony Davis, or do we want to talk about the Celtics' season? (laughs) Two very Uh, different directions we could go here. I will let you choose.
0: I mean, let, let's, let's do the Davis thing real quick since we're kind of off the Celtics right now. I feel like this won't take very long because basically, you know, during this whole media week essentially is what it was with the All-Star game. Uh, Anthony Davis had like a full 20-minute conversation or something with the media. And, you know, someone, of course, all he got asked was, you know, where are you going next year? Like, what's up? And basically he made the comment that Boston was not off his list. Like some people thought it was, but no, like Boston's still on his list. And I believe he said something along the lines of, you know, like all 29 other teams in the NBA are still on my list. Like he hasn't – like he doesn't have a preference kind of thing. He just wants to go where he's going to be successful. And if I had to guess, probably where he's going to be – going to like wear – or win rather, win a ring and then wear a ring. But, you know, that's kind of my thoughts on it.
1: Yeah, I mean the consensus I got was not like a clear, you know – he's going here, he's going there. It was just a, I'm not going back to the Pelicans and I haven't counted anyone out. So, you know, it could be the Celtics because that was the one team that was speculated about. It could be literally any other basketball team. I I mean, we'll see Anthony Davis changing locations. Honestly, I feel like he's not coming to Boston unless, you know, something happens with Kyrie leaving and we can go on and on and on. And, you know, we talked about how much we hate speculation, so we really won't do much of it here. But so Anthony uh, Anthony Davis, I guess he's back on the market for Boston. Not that he was ever really off. Um, but just another thing that I guess another big player to look out for coming up with this offseason. As we know, there's a lot of uh, big names going to be free agents this coming offseason. So there will be a lot to look out for when that comes around. But that is way in the future.
0: Not but, until July. But what we is not in the future four months.
1: is the Celtics right now. Uh, they got 24 games left, I guess 23 if you count them playing as we're speaking right now. Uh, we talked about this last week, so we won't really cover this too much, but they're tied for fourth, sitting six and a half games back. They're playing Milwaukee tonight, who are in first ahead of us by those six and a half games, and what do you want to talk about just this, and then kind of moving forward from here, or just the Milwaukee game, how important do you do you think it is to win this game against Milwaukee?
0: Yeah, so I have uh you know we usually do our hot takes at the end but this mine kind of fits in here cuz it's uh it's about the Celtics and um this week so including tonight this week is going to be you know the make or break week for that number 1 spot I think. And we we talked about it last um last week a lot kind of how you know the Celtics they probably weren't going to get that number 1 seed overall like we thought. Uh it was you know, it was certainly possible, but a lot of things would have to go right for us, and a lot of things would have to go wrong for other teams. Now, this week, like you said, we're currently playing Milwaukee. We are also playing later in the week. Um, it's going to be Tuesday, the twenty-sixth. We are playing Toronto, which is the other team that is sitting up there. I think they're, I think they're five and a half games ahead of us, or five games, or something. So that's the other team that is, you know, kind of looking out of reach right now. That being said if the Celtics win tonight and then they also beat Toronto, we're looking at, you know, they've gained a game on each of these teams in that first place spot. You know, they could, they could end this week, five games back, five games out of first place going into March. And, you know, that's something that I think is possible. So this Milwaukee game in general, I think if they want the first place spot, this is a must win game.
1: Yeah, I I completely agree with that. Like, this is going to be a very important week. And they're going to have to win a lot of big games down the stretch here. And basically, they're going to have to hope for Milwaukee and Toronto uh, and I guess Indiana too to tank a little bit because as much as, you know, we could win these games and go on a winning streak, Milwaukee and Toronto are still so good. They're going to keep winning basketball games too. There's no denying that fact. So we kind of need them to, uh, you know, Take their foot off the gas a little bit, lose a couple of games, and then maybe working out at that first that first place spot. But I think, in the grand scheme of things, if we're looking for you know a higher playoff seating, yeah, these games are going to be pretty important as you know tiebreakers. I think it's our last matchup against a couple of these teams, anyways, for the rest of the season. So obviously tiebreakers, and then also getting those spots back um, in the standings, it's going to be important. But this isn't do or die in my opinion uh but just good games to win if if the Celtics can uh can battle that out it's gonna be a tough game for both Milwaukee and Toronto but I mean I don't I don't think it's do or die yet I just think this would put them in a much better situation
0: no and I mean do or die like the the Celtics are going to the playoffs for anyone like that is questioning that the Celtics are definitely uh, you know they're gonna have a playoff spot the The East just you know the team's below the fifth spot, which is actually where the Celtics are sitting at right now. I think the, I think the seventy76ers just won their game tonight, uh, which put them ahead of us by half a game. But you know the, the teams below us in the east, they don't really stand a chance of catching up. We're talking um, we're talking seven games back from us now and then it gets worse as you go down. But in terms of of catching, going back to catching the Bucks, and even Toronto for that matter, and Indiana, uh, Indiana only sitting one game ahead of us, the Celtics are probably going to have to be near perfect the rest of the season. I'm talking like a 20 and four end to the season, or a 21 and three, maybe a 19 and five kind of thing. We're talking; you really can't lose a whole lot of games uh, coming up, and I mean. The Celtics, like, you know, they got the Milwaukee game tonight. They have Toronto. We have Golden State again. We have Indiana again. Uh, we probably have Philadelphia one more time. So that's kind of a big ask to go like a 20 and four record over your last 24 games. Doable, yes, but they are gonna have to play at a level that, you know, we have not seen them play at this year.
1: And speaking of levels, we have not seen people play at Zion Williamson taking the You know, I guess sports world in general by storm this season, obviously a massive story out of high school, blah, 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 Duke power team. Who cares? Anyways, yesterday night, Zion leapt the 285 pound animal that he is, landed, blew out his shoe, and you might as well have just watched Nike's company collapse from out from underneath them yesterday because everyone was freaking out as Zion Williamson went out with an injury. He has a grade one knee sprain, which I don't even think is that bad. He'll be on a day-to-day basis from what I've heard. But now it has sparked the debate, should he sit out the rest of the college season to basically uh, keep his you know, maximum potential draft stock and not risk hurting himself, uh and some freak injury and ruining his chances of getting into the NBA.
0: See, I'm going to go on kind of a tangent here cuz I the fact that this this one kid can ch- can just like blow up the sports industry like it is. I mean, we have Nike looking into the issues with their shoes because his shoe blew out and supposedly like that's what caused his knee twist. Now, if you if you watch the injury, it could have been a lot worse. I thought I thought he blew out his entire knee. I thought this kid was done for the season like if you just not knowing what happened if you just watch the video it looks really bad but like we're talking like how old were the shoes he's wearing like what condition were they in that type of thing like the whole thing with Nike is kind of ridiculous in my mind also i just want to you know give a big middle finger kind of to espn for not reporting any other news other than zion for the past 24 hours at least um something like 10 of their last 12 Instagram posts have focused solely on Zion and it's just getting ridiculous. That's all the talk was on, you know, sports center this morning. It's bad, James, it's bad. And, you know, it's only going to get worse when he gets to the NBA, unfortunately, but kind of backtracking now to your question, should he sit out the rest of the NCAA season? Uh, I have conflicting feelings here. One as just, like, a fan of basketball and everything and of March Madness and kind of that aspect, no. Because that'll be boring, you know, not boring, but, you know, less exciting to watch this Duke team. And kind of, like, what's to stop any other guy, like, in the in the coming future to, you know, play a couple t- – Play a couple games in the NCAA to show that he's, you know, ridiculous, and then just, you know, I'm just gonna sit and get drafted number one overall. In my opinion, if he sits, his draft stock might as well go down. Like, you're gonna see guys performing and then you're gonna see this guy sitting on the bench. Then coming back to the realistic side and you know, looking at this from a purely like a business and sports standpoint, yeah, he probably should sit out. He had a close call with the knee and he shouldn't risk his future for a college basketball title, which really at the end of the day isn't a huge deal.
1: Yeah. So clearly you hate ESPN. I'm going to use their alerts anyways. uh, So actually today the league proposed a new draft eligibility thing. Uh, Basically, that it would change the age requirement from 19 to 18. I feel like this is basically a rule for people like Zion to skip college so they don't get injured in college, whatever the garbage reasoning may be. And it kind of bothers me to see, like you said, one person basically them having the whole rule system adapted around them because the league wants, you know, the viewership, the hype, blah, 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 blah. Uh, should Zion sit out over that question? I think he should play, obviously, you know, close call on the injury. You're completely correct on that, but I think not contributing to your team like that, you put Duke at a massive disadvantage for a title, and I know you said that's not a lot, but I think just, I feel like not contributing to your team, why does that show that you're a worthy a worthy draft pick. It doesn't to me. And I think I, that you playing a couple of good college games and then saying I'm done is the stupidest thing ever. You should not do that. I
0: and, mean, it's the same kind of situation with Anthony Davis here, right?
1: I mean, yeah, I, I understand. Maybe you put a minute restriction on him. Maybe you play him in less games. Maybe you, you do what, you know, a lot of NBA coaches are doing now. Uh, And I think it was what Popovich that really popularized this was, you know, planned rest days. You don't you don't play your best players every single day, you know, because injuries do exist and they're a massive influence in the sports world. But I don't think that means you just don't play for the rest of the season. And I, I just I don't like that. That's a decision that's been it seems made, you know, available and justified to him. Like, oh, he could really, you know, he could really mess up, you know, he could really mess himself up and ruin his career if he, you know, blows out his knee, blah, blah, blah. So is every other person that is playing in the NCAA right now.
0: Yeah, I mean, look at his teammate, RJ R. J. Barrett. RJ Barrett
1: was the first person I was going to say, but.
0: He's what predicted the second pick overall. What's to stop him from being like, you know what, guys, that was a really close call for that guy. So I'm going to, you know, just take, just going to sit down. I'll be drafted in the lottery no matter what. and um. Yeah, I'll I'll see in the NBA, maybe.
1: Yeah. Like, this is basically just saying you don't have to prove yourself to be a draft pick, which I think is really, really dumb. So Something I like- say I say Zion should play uh in some variation of whatever throughout the rest of the season. We've seen people like uh DeMarcus Cousins has made remarks, Isaiah Thomas has pretty much openly stated that he thinks Zion should sit out. Uh, Because, you know, Isaiah Thomas, obviously someone who's dealt with, you know, injury being a massive influence in his career so far uh, and his time in Boston and kind of the end of his time in Boston. But I personally think Zion should uh, should play because it it just it's it seems unfair.
0: It opens the door for too much. Just
1: and it's just it's people going soft is what it is like. Oh, I mean. Injuries are an inherent risk of the sport and you have that's something that everyone deals with. And if you're just going to sit out because y- you don't want to risk uh, getting injured and you don't want to prove yourself then why should you be drafted? Is is my ultimate my ultimate feeling on that.
0: It's funny the drafting I hadn't heard about that the did the league Confirm they're changing it, or they're thinking of they, changing it. They
1: proposed it. it, so basically they've basically made it. Basically,
0: people can be drafted. They've made right it.
1: Of. They've made it known that they, yeah, you could be drafted back out of high school again, which is it's, it's kind of dumb in my eyes. Understandable because the the type of talent that you see coming out of high school to write into the league, you know, one of the big names, LeBron James, probably the biggest name to ever do that. But we're talking generational talent here.
0: We're talking yeah, we're talking that you're about not one, see. one guy every 5 or 10 years that's going to be successful. I think for a lot of people that's going to be unsuccessful and it's going to it's that'll ultimately end up in a lot of draft busts kind of thing.
1: Yeah, and I think and I I think personally draft busts are a massive thing and everyone just says, "Oh, I can't wait till so and so gets to the league." And obviously, I've never played college basketball. I never will play college basketball. I'll never play professional basketball. But the difference between the way college basketball is played and the people who are in college basketball compared to the NBA, everyone's, oh, my God, this person's so good. Prove themselves in the league. That's all I'm saying. It's all we heard about last year was Lonzo Ball. Or actually, it's two years ago. Lonzo Ball, how good he was, how he's going to declare for the draft after just his freshman year. We've heard nothing of him. Thank God, but we have heard nothing of him this year because he skipped like half the season to have a kid last year. I guess that's kind of understandable. And then he's just done nothing for his team all season. It seems like he hasn't had any, you know, highlight plays, anything. They're basically trying to get rid of him because LeBron probably doesn't want him there. Uh, And LeBron's going to run the team. Let's be honest. But uh I mean it's
0: going to. It,
1: it's crazy, man. It's it's crazy. So I mean anything's oh, possible.
0: It oh really buckle is, up, brother. But, They're talking about LaMelo in college now, so we're on to the next oh, ball, yeah, brother.
1: Hopefully Bavar just stays quiet. That's all I can really hope for at this point. All but right, we, so we
0: have wandered yeah, we, so far off we've track. Gone. Uh let's look at the week ahead for the Celtics. Um, as we said tonight, Thursday, the twenty-first, they're you know in Milwaukee currently. I think it's just after halftime now. Probably they were down at half by a couple of points. Not that that really matters because you'll know the score way sooner than we get this out. Uh, Saturday, the twenty-third, at Chicago, playing the Bulls. Tuesday, I highlighted this game before. You know they're in Toronto playing the Raptors. Another you know kind of make or break game, if you will, if they're really. Uh, I guess serious. Well, they're obviously very serious about the number one spot. But if you know, if you want that to be a reality, you gotta you gotta win that game, uh, and then Wednesday versus the Portland Trailblazers back in Boston. So, you know, I already said it, but in my eyes, the most deciding week left in the season for the Boston Celtics.
1: And we will transition over as we always do to the other half of the. TD Garden. It's called the TD Garden, James. It's,
0: yeah, it's still it's still the it TD is, Garden. It,
1: the name has not changed.
0: Um, we're gonna leave that pause in there just yeah. so people know that you couldn't. Anywho, the we're Brooks.
1: moving over to the other side of the TD Garden with the Boston Bruins. First, taking a look back at their week. So Friday the fifteenth at Anaheim uh, as part of their five game road trip, a three nothing win. Halak with 30 saves in a shutout against the Ducks. Saturday, the 16th against the LA Kings. A 42 win. Bergeron, DeBrusque, Marchand, and McAvoy each netting one goal of their own. Monday, a very, very exciting game at the San Jose Sharks. A 6-5 win in overtime. Uh, Bruins almost blew a massive lead, but that's fine. Uh, three goals in the five in roughly five minutes towards the end of the first period alone. So... Very big scoring game, obviously being six to five, and the tying goal with like a minute left in regulation was absolutely insane
0: i I told you earlier in the go back and watch it correct
1: and i I went back and watched it, and it was wild.
0: It was Chris Wagner, correct oh, I have no clue, okay, hang on, I believe it was chris Wagner it was indeed Chris Wagner, this man. If you didn't see it, I'd highly recommend going back and trying to find it. Um, he basically tipped the puck up so an O in the air over the uh, you know the San Jose goalie brings his stick up, hits it once down, and then again a second time in in a matter like in a split second, just a, a beautiful goal to you know send them to OT and uh, you know keep this win streak that they're on alive.
1: And anyways, moving on to the next game and the last game of that week, Wednesday the twentieth at the Vegas Golden Knights, a three 2 win in shootouts. So Bruins, there they've been on this streak, but they've had a lot of overtime games recently. They've had a lot of games going to shootouts, going to regular overtime wins or losses. It gets them a point, so always good to you know force overtime in a game, overtime in a game you might end up losing. Still better than getting no points, I guess.
0: Yeah, and this is something I kind of want to... So the Bruins currently... um, I have to apologize. I said last week that, you know, I really thought the Bruins weren't going to do this well. Do this well. um, You know, losing Pasternak. And I I said, you know, if they want to do well, some of these other guys got to step up. And I was right in that regard because, you know, a lot of guys did step up. If you look at the San Jose game, six different people scored. And I think for five of them, it was, you know... It was, you know, we have here Tori Krug scored his sixth goal this season. Chara, his fourth. Um, Carson Coleman, who I've never heard of, gets his first goal this season. Uh, Jake DeBrusque, you know, gets his 18th. So that's, you know, a little higher score. But then we, you know, Chris Wagner scores his eighth. And then Charlie McAvoy, his fourth goal. So you have guys who, you know, haven't been scoring that much this year, contributing in a huge way um, to get a big win. So the Bruins doing extremely well on the road trip. They're current on a seven game winning streak. Uh, They're on a 12 game point streak, but maybe now we can talk about how do all these overtime games, how these, all these shootout games they've been into. um, I mean, we're talking, you know, five over the last 12 games now, Uh, maybe even more. I didn't do an exact count, but how does this affect them going forward? Does this lead to kind of an early burnout? You know, we have what five weeks left in the season now, six weeks, maybe, um, the end of the first week of April. Does this is this going to lead to an early burnout? Is this you know too much on the older guys on this team? You know what's what's going to be the outcome of all these extended games?
1: I mean, I personally think that it's been helpful for them. Like I said, being able to force overtime, even in games that might end up losing, they get that point and really helping them with the playoffs. Um, I don't know, I. A lot of these games aren't going too deep into overtime, obviously having a couple of shooters, but like the San Jose Sharks game was only a couple minutes into overtime, if I'm correct, when that goal was scored. So I don't think it's putting too much additional strain. And obviously, these guys still got gas left in the tank to go out and win the game. So I don't really think personally that there's going to be an early burnout. Uh, that's not really a fear that I have, you know, but got to still play good hockey down the stretch you know, secure your position for the playoffs. And I guess we can talk about that Uh, now. Now sitting at second in the Eastern Conference, really making a move recently. And uh, now separating themselves from the third place team by four points. So a couple of games in between them and the next team now, where we've talked about it being so close in the East for so long and how the Bruins, they need to win those couple of games, they move up or if they lose a couple of games, they move down. But they've, you know, they've gone on that winning streak. They're in seven games right now. They got one more uh, on the road before they come home, but they're really, really putting that work in and playing incredible hockey against, you know, very good teams. And uh, I I personally think that they can keep this level up, and especially once Pasternak comes back, they get some games at home. I really think that will uh, just help and hopefully solidify this Bruins team's position in the playoffs.
0: Yeah, I mean, you, you you talked about you know playing these great teams. We're talking about San Jose, who's sitting at second in the West, Vegas, who's sitting at sixth in the West, uh, Anaheim and Los Angeles, not having the best of years. They're they're down there, but now we got to go and play St. Louis, who's sitting at fifth in the West, and the Bruins have kind of solidified themselves as the second place team now. Uh, you mentioned the four point separation, the most we've seen between these top you know two to six teams in a while. Um, we'll see what, what's going on right now. Cause Toronto who's, you know, behind us has a game tonight. So we'll see if they can get a game back or whatever. You know, the Bruins putting themselves in a very good position going forward here into this last, you know, five weeks, uh, month of the season.
1: All right. And if we'd like to move forward, kind of explaining the p- layout of the NHL playoffs for those of you who may not know, uh, this was myself included up until a couple of weeks ago, so do not feel bad if you don't really know how these playoffs work because, honestly, I didn't either. But how the playoffs do work is so you have the top three teams from each division plus two wild card teams from each conference.
0: So to, to break this down even more, um, for those of you who don't really follow hockey that much, obviously we've got – it's pretty obvious that it's split into the Eastern and Western Conference – but within those two conferences, each has two leagues. So for the East, it's the Metropolitan Atlantic, and for the West, it's the Central and the Pacific. So to reiterate what just James just said, we'll have the top three teams from each division. So top three from Metropolitan, top three from Atlantic Central Pacific. Uh, they all go to the playoffs. The Bruins are currently uh, second in the Atlantic after Tampa Bay. You know, kind of being the standout team there. So you have the top three teams from each division, and then you know the next two strongest teams within the conference get those wild card spots. Uh, how the exact seeding works, I'm not completely sure. We can get into that more later as we approach the playoffs. But you know the Bruins with this with this past week uh, being what it was and going on this absolute tear, I think I think they've solidified themselves uh, a playoff spot, and you know that's really encouraging to see.
1: Yeah, and I mean, once again, they still have to, they, you know, have a month of hockey left. They still need to play good hockey, be strong, but I really do think there's the opportunity for the pieces to come together and this team to really, you know, maybe they're not in first, but they can solidify a very high seed in that playoffs. And they can solidify a very high seed in the playoffs and I think really make a push. They've shown that, you know, despite all the, uh, all the things, all the obstacles in their way. They, they found a way to, you know, kind of get over these obstacles and still be a very good hockey team this season. So, the, I mean, they got a chance. I You know, at this point, almost positive we will see them in the playoffs. Last game being April 6th, we got just over a month left. But, I mean, it's going to be good. It's going to be good coming down the stretch if you'd like to go over the games that we have coming this
0: week. Yeah, and I mean, just, just going back to the way we've kind of played against these top teams, I think with the exception of Tampa Bay, maybe, because I haven't, I don't really know how we've done against them this year. But, you know, we, we've beat the other top teams. I think it's might be a little early to say this, but I think we're looking at a legitimate, you know, deep playoff run, maybe even a, a Stanley Cup appearance from this Bruins team. Uh, but like you said, you know, time left. Uh, going into the week ahead here, So after the St. Louis game coming up on Saturday, the Bruins get to come back to a six-game homestand, which is going to feel great after all these tough games on the road, although that road life hasn't really affected them too much. Uh, Saturday the 23rd, they finish up their uh, road trip at St. Louis against the Blues. Tuesday, they come home, that's the 26th, to play the San Jose Sharks again. James and I are actually going to be at the game, so expect maybe some live updates, maybe some pictures, who knows? uh so we get to see that in person really looking forward to that one uh after you know the, the Monday game against San Jose was such a high scoring exciting game and then you know a big game here Thursday the 28th against the Tampa Bay Lightning so three tough teams another tough week and we'll just see we'll just have to see how the Bruins you know do after you know this long road trip and then they finally get to play some games at home
1: yeah and so We would normally move forward onto, obviously, the 2018-19 Super Bowl 53 champion New England Patriots in this last segment here, Uh, but there's basically nothing that has actually happened this week with Patriots at all, and so instead of actually doing coverage for the Patriots, we kind of figured we'd fill you in on ideas we kind of have for the coming weeks, Uh, and what we want to do talking about the Patriots is obviously there's a massive lull between now and the start of the next football season so within the next couple of weeks we will run through uh you know they've released the opponents for next year's games or next season's games uh so we will you know go through those break those down we can do predictions way too early blah blah blah, that stuff you know people love to do the way too early you know playoff predictions game predictions that and the other main idea we've had is an awards episode where we kind of come up with Uh, awards of our own that to, you know, give to players, I guess, or kind of just talk about who really stood out this season on the Patriots team Uh, and talk about just, you know, the amazing, amazing season they had, despite all of the drama
0: being called an underdog,
1: being called an underdog, you know, the adversity they went through being a, not a first seed team, all of that not mattering. Uh, And, you know, maybe recall some of our favorite moments from the season so that's basically what we've been running with for ideas. If you'd like to add anything of your own uh, that isn't here already, that I just yeah. I mean, so we so about. we have
0: the we have the list of opponents, home and away, when they're going to play, uh, or not when they're going to play, rather. But we have you know who we're going to play and where. That being said, the full schedule. I think so, I read something like it comes out in late March, so you can expect that uh, in the next couple of episodes, probably for us to run through our first look at the schedule, and I'm sure we'll touch on it again before the season starts uh we've had this here for a while but you know there's a lot of big names that are going to be free agents this this season so that's not a patriot specific thing but you know we can kind of look at how how league might be shaping up for next year um and maybe even just something you you mentioned kind of you know the best moments type of thing but we could just like an overall look back at the season just to remind you of you know, some of the best parts, but yeah, um going to, going to just take a nice break from the Patriots this week. We, we did a little bit last week, but like you said, really, you know, not a lot going on.
1: And to be fair, when they were in season, we hammered the Patriots like you would not believe. So you guys hammer
0: are, the over. That is the motto here. Probably the sports podcast,
1: probably tired of hearing us talk about the Patriots. So we, Decided to take this opportunity to kind of just, you know, take a break, uh, just chill, you know, chill for a second and really just talk
0: l- about Zion,
1: talk about everything else, focus on, you know, the sports teams that we all, you know, don't always talk about, uh, as much. But yeah, so those are ideas, things to look forward to in coming weeks. We won't always have these off weeks and, uh, you know, I'll speak for myself here, and you'll probably agree with this. We might have a couple more weeks where we don't talk about the Patriots that much, but I don't want to get into a role of doing like consecutive weeks off. I think having something at very least every other week about the Patriots, um, just because you know the conversation isn't dead. We can still there's so many things to talk about, speculate about, all that good stuff. So you know, Patriots aren't out the window. If that's your favorite sports team, as you know it is personally mine, it's very sad being in the off season, but at the same time, you know, we get to put emphasis on other teams. And at the same time, we still have a lot of stuff to talk about, so they're not completely out of it. Do not worry if, uh, you know, if you always look forward to that Patriots coverage, it will still be here.
0: Yeah, probably on and off for the next couple of months, you know, as they enjoy that off season, but it's at any point, really a story could drop. Someone could move around, um, people could retire even like (laughs) stuff will crop up, uh, in the coming months. So don't worry. There will not be a complete drought. Uh, that being said, James, do you want to, do you have any, you know, hot takes? I already did mine, but to close out the show, do you have anything you want to end on?
1: No, I think, uh, you know, I'm, I'm sitting pretty, pretty, uh, you know, content with the hot takes. I've been, pretty much horribly wrong on every hot take I have made on this show, which is amazing. Me too. Um, So we're really bad, but you know, the more, you know, the hotter the take, the better potential for you to call something really cool happening, uh, or just looking like a fool, which also is pretty entertaining. But I think that is going to close it out for today's episode. If guys... In
0: fact, the hot take is how Stephen A got famous, because... I don't know how I'd see would have gotten famous. He just says ridiculous stuff and gets you know. News he just kind
1: of throws and like whatever sticks. People just they just take it. Anyways, if you did enjoy this episode of the podcast, be sure to leave us a rating, give us your feedback, let us know how we are doing on whatever platform you're listening on, and I'm honestly gonna open this up. Tweeted us uh, if you don't want to leave a you know comment, rating, whatever. Those do really help us out. But if if that's not your thing, doing it on you know whatever platform you listen on, you know. Tweeted us, let us know what we're doing. Uh, what we're doing? What we don't we know doing? what we're doing.
0: What are we doing? Honestly, Please, we don't know.
1: know. We're almost twenty episodes in, we still don't know what's going on. But you know, I guess we can segue into if you want to plug the Twitter too.
0: Yeah, so the Twitter is at Brady Bros Boston. You know. Interact with us. I actually, I actually tweeted a couple times this week. Fun fact: If you follow us on there, you you probably saw me tweet some stuff. So I am doing my job. I am contributing, but yeah, I mean, Twitter keeps you up to date on kind of you know. I fo- we follow all the all the sports teams, obviously. So kind of retweeting like the big news there, uh, retweeting other people's takes on the Bruins and then you know, or Bruins, everyone really, uh, and then in- inputting some thoughts of our own. Uh, most importantly, though, is you know, you get to know right away when the podcast just drops. You know, Apple Podcasts or whatever platform you listen to, whether it's Spotify or whatever, uh, it usually takes about 12 to 24 hours for them to send you the notification, even if you are subscribed to the podcast. If you follow us on Twitter, you will have the notification about 30 seconds to a minute after the podcast goes up because that's one of the, you know, first thing we do is put it out on Twitter for you guys to find it. So really, the main avenue there, that pretty much wraps everything up. I'm really excited. You know, baseball's back. The Bruins and Celtics are, you know, in the final leg of the season, making that playoff push. And, you know, the Patriots are Super Bowl champs. It really, you know, it really is a good time in Boston sports, and I look forward to the coming weeks.
1: Yeah, so thank you guys once again all so much for listening. We will be back next week with more Boston sports news. That is going to do it for this week.
0: See ya.